Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers. I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you all. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers could get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Visit uscellular.com for terms and restrictions. Hey, guys, listen up. I know these days when you watch the news, it feels like it's one hit after another, and it's all bad news for the economy. Well, let me give you some good news. It's not all that bad when it comes to real estate. Let me explain. You see, a year ago, man, real estate was hot, hot, hot. Everybody and their brother was trying to go out and buy another house. What did that mean? It was so competitive that a lot of folks got discouraged. So let me ask you, have you thought about buying a house in the last couple of years, but maybe just couldn't win a bid? I used to hear that all the time. Well, now is the time to buy. Yes, interest rates have creeped up a little bit, but what that's created is an opportunity for you. A year ago, it wasn't uncommon for there to be more than a dozen offers on a home, many of which were over list. That is not the case today. So if you got discouraged once before about trying to buy a new house, now's the time to take another look. Now, yes, interest rates have creeped up a little bit, but you're not going to overpay for the home. But here's what you will do. You'll stop throwing your money away on rent, and now you'll get a greater tax deduction. That's right. You see, at the end of the year, you're going to get a statement from your mortgage company that shows how much interest you paid, and you get to write all of that interest off. That means you could get a huge tax deduction. You never get that as a renter. Not only that, homes are still going up in value. Don't believe the hype. All of the economists believe long-term real estate always works out. Let me give you an example. Maybe way back when in the housing collapse of 2008, you bought in 2007 and maybe overpaid. Buddy, if you hung in there, that house is worth a whole heck of a lot more now. If you've played in the stock market, you know what I'm talking about. You only lose money when you throw in the towel. Real estate long-term always performs well. So here's my advice to you. Date the rate, marry the house. Find the house that you and your family love long-term because here's what's not long-term, these higher rates. I've yet to see a single economist who doesn't agree with me that rates are going to return. So doesn't it make sense to get the house you want right now? And then when rates improve, man, just get a lower monthly payment. In the meantime, you'll enjoy a greater tax deduction And that property is going to continue to appreciate, meaning you're building equity and wealth for yourself. Not only that, how about this? We're going to save you some cash at buywithconrad.com. We're going to give you the peace of mind of a seven-year guarantee. When rates improve over the next seven years, not if, but when, that's my prediction, we'll refinance you again with no new origination points. Think about that. That could save you thousands of dollars and give you the peace of mind of knowing that you got the right house for your family right now. And then when the rates improve, man, get a lower monthly payment. Now you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this, but you do need to hurry 
to buywithconrad.com. That's the first step. You tell us how much you want to put down and what you want your monthly payment to be. We get you approved and then you go shopping just like a cash buyer at buywithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Seriously, if you've thought about buying a house over the last couple of years, but you got discouraged, now's the time to take another look. Let me run the numbers for you right now. You'll be glad you did at buywithconrad.com. There's been a lot of talk lately about what $8 will get you. Well, ad-free shows has a verified steal of a deal, or you guessed it, $8. Now through the end of 2022, sign up at 8dollars.com to get access to over a dozen of your favorite wrestling podcasts. You get them early and you get them ad-free for just 8 bucks a month. That's less than like 15 cents an episode every month. That's $8.com. Tweet that, muckerfathers. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to my world. And I can't believe it. He's done it again. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled is convincing the world he didn't exist. If a nuclear holocaust happened tomorrow, all that would be left is cockroaches and Jeff Jarrett doing the Fargo strut. Here he is, oh, your yeah. friend and mine, Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff, you got a lot of explaining to do, my friend. I'm not even talking about football. We're not going to talk about football today. We'll do that next week. Oh, no. Come on. Come on. Let's talk about wrestling. Of course, our topic today is Genesis 2007, and I have every intention of talking about this. I got 21 pages of notes. Oh my God. You ain't kidding. Derek. But, Jesus. But if I didn't jump right into it and say, Jeff Jarrett, damn it. How in the world? Listen, we all know that you <laughs> single-handedly ruined WCW. We all know that you single-handedly killed the new generation and the attitude era. And the PG era. We all know that you single-handedly have ruined TNA and impact. We all know that you ruined the horseman. You ruined the bullet club. And now I guess you're, you come on this program and claim to be a member of the click. And now yeah. you're going to get on here and say, well, I'm a member of the elite. Now I'm, I'm the elite. Now I'm going <laughs> to look at you. What's going on, Jeff. First of all, congratulations. What a year you've had, dude. I mean, you, you popped up at the AW or the AAA show WrestleMania weekend. You managed to, uh, headline an NWA pay-per-view in a referee position and your co-main eventing SummerSlam in your hometown stadium as a referee, Ric Flair's last match. You showed Effie about old school at the biggest GCW show ever. And now the last outlaw is calling out sting on TNT. Or TBS? What year is it, Jeff? How are you doing all this? Congratulations. Conrad, I just got to say that I, I would be remorse if I didn't say when the pieces of the puzzle started to fall together and the uh, behind-the-scenes role as well as in front of the camera, all those pieces started to, to kind of fall in, and it didn't happen overnight. This has kind of been a work in progress for quite some time. It wasn't something that just kind of happened overnight. Um, I, I, I would be lying if I didn't say, I can't wait to tell old Conrad. 
I just cannot wait to get his reaction because I've I almost could have wrote that script for you. You would have gone down the whole laundry list. Yes. Just poke fun, but had fun. And then, Hey man, I'm proud to be your partner. And I wore this shirt on purpose for you. Non-video folks slap nuts, LLC. That's me and Conrad's partnership appropriately put, but, uh, yeah, man. Life is bizarre, is it not? Life is good. Life is crazy. All the twists and turns. You know, me and you have kind of joked uh, offhanded uh, about my summer internship and before that <laughs> happened. Uh, just, just kind of how it all weaved in. I surprised you on January 1st, did I not? I yes. sent you a little text and I said, hey, hypothetically, what are you doing tonight? <laughs> I don't know how it went down, but. January 1st, and it's just kind of kept rolling along, hadn't it? It's been a lot of fun, man. And uh, it's funny because I don't know if you remember, but when, when I first cut a promo, the teaser for this podcast, I sort of poked fun at, I know what you're thinking, another wrestling podcast, but hear me <laughs> out. You sure did. And I just tried to tell your story. Cause listen, man, I saw the reaction online. There's a whole bunch of fans who are, oh my God, Jeff Jarrett's here. I love it. And then there's a whole bunch of fans who are like, oh my God, I hate Jeff Jarrett, which is kind of the idea. So thank you. Uh, <laughs> but I knew that that narrative was out there and I thought if I could just explain what all has happened in this guy's career, he might be the most fascinating person, not just in wrestling today, but maybe in wrestling history. Oh, come on. And that was last year. That was last April. <laughs> and we take everything that you've done since that the rest of the world doesn't necessarily know yet. I won't talk about all the other stuff that we can't talk about on air, but everybody yes. knows you're working on a video game. Everybody knows you've done the baseball thing. Everybody knows that you wrestled Ric Flair in his last match. Everybody knows you took Effie to the limit in his home turf <laughs> and just wore his ass out old school style. Uh, and, and what you've done in AAA, and just on and on and on. And then SummerSlam. And now, I mean, I don't know. I'm not writing, I'm not booking, but if you're calling out sting and you just clobbered Darby Allen, it feels like there may be a match in the cards at some point for you instead, like nobody would have predicted this. And it just goes to show you that as much as people want to say, well, it's this, well, it's that. I'll tell you what it is. It's hard work. It's perseverance. It's working your tail off from the minute you open your eyes until you close them every day. And it's a positive mental attitude. You have just persevered and willed yourself in the good spots over and over and over. And I hope everyone who's in the wrestling business or wants to be in or around the wrestling business takes note of what's happened because a lot of people, when they're handed some maybe walking papers of sorts. They'd put their head in the sand. They'd kick their can. They'd old boo-boo face. And yet look at you. Just look at you. Here you are. It's amazing. <laughs> Bravo. I'm in awe of you, Con, sir. Congratulations. Oh, stop it. You know, the, the, I've, I've had different conversations and I knew we would, uh, I, I thought we would kick it off with football talk. Cause there's a lot of football left to be played on both sides of the ball, but that's another conversation. But with that being said, I knew we'd probably have this conversation. And I appreciate you saying that because, you know, in the different little footnotes in, uh, we'll call it double J's career, you know, I may be, and we've talked about this. I may be the last hire of BKM that, that may or may not true, he, he, whatever that may be. But from that point to now, 
there was a lot of soul searching, a lot of thought process. And I can tell you today, I am, I don't know if I'm more excited about the behind the scenes work or the executive work or, or all that, or the entering stuff, because Karen texts me, uh, Wednesday about one o'clock, one thirty, and said, what are you doing? And I said, I feel like I'm a 19 year old rookie pacing around, uh, WMC TV studios. I said, I'm nervous. I said, I, I said, I'm nervous about tonight. I'm thinking things through, want it to go right. Wasn't all sure of that. So that's kind of one of the messages that I want to throw out there. Folks, I've been doing it a long time, but I was as nervous as could be. And uh, kind of when the lights restored in the ring, it was a surreal moment. The reaction had a little fresh coat of paint, a little red guitar, a little red and black guitar. Uh, man, it was uh, Conrad. It was really cool. It was, uh, got a good crack in old Darby and all the faces that I saw backstage, man, we can make this old podcast. We won't, I know we got to top it, but I am really, really, I'm going to steal uh, our good bud EB's title is book. Grateful. I am super grateful. Uh, I'm excited. Um, I'm ready to dig in, in all kinds of ways, but, uh, I knew you'd have a little soliloquy to uh, make it entertaining and funny, but uh, I appreciate the kind words, pal. I just can't wait until you're strutting ass with the AEW title around your waist. I mean, <laughs> here we go. The different comments online, I, I have to say, uh, the cockroach comments and the, oh, my favorite oh, was oh. whatever you do, don't let Jeff near Shad Khan or he'll be running that whole place. And I just howled with laughter. The the the, the narrative that. You're just the master finesser. I mean, that's the, that's the idea is that everybody thinks that boy, Jeff's just, as we've said on the show here before outsmarting them all. Have you ever thought maybe he just has done this for a long time since, you know, as long as he can remember and maybe his family since been doing it since, I don't know, like world war two or something silly. Like you're right. He's, su he's supposed to be good at this and he understands the wrestling business. And that's why this show is so fun. Uh, I, I love it. I love the business more today than I ever have. I can honestly sit here and say this. You know, my dad sent me a text that uh, last Wednesday, and then he followed up. And he anyway, we had an exchange, and I said, for whatever reason, because he's kind of, I mean, even in his heyday in the Memphis, in Lawler and him, we'll talk about this. And my dad's the literally peak of the bit territory business. Conrad, he'd go away for three, four, five, six months. I don't think me and you or like my, I don't think we can relate to that. I, I just, I, I, you know, my dad at the peak would say, I'm going to Florida and fish for six months. Lala run the show. What? Right. I, it, it just, that's kind of how that was his DNA makeup. I love it more today than I ever have. And there's new horizons and new frontiers and man, the, the, uh, the aid or the rabid AEW fan base is so vocal online and, opinionated and everything that goes with it. I love that because you get a response, you know, one where the, there's no really gray area. Uh, so, you know, the analytics and measuring the YouTube and the interest in this and that, and kind of look at the landscape, both domestically and internationally, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. I'm pumped. I'm super pumped. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently. I asked mint mobile's legal team. If big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation, they said, yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f 
are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I, uh, I can't wait to see what all you can do. I know you're working with a really cool crew. I'm glad you're going to get to hang out with our pals, Arn Anderson and Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross. And man, it feels like our little podcast lineup here is getting more elite. Got a shout out. He got a shout out. Didn't he? And you know what? I know for sure. Without even talking to him, when he got a shout out and Taz didn't, you got heat with Taz. He might dump <laughs> you on your head. <laughs> oh, the double J with his Bob Vila glasses out here hugging on you. Shivani. No love for Taz. Oh no. He got called out. He's just uh, one of them clowns up there with Shivani. Just wild. Ladies and gentlemen, we couldn't do it with this show without the new AEW director of business development and be sure when you cut them checks, baby, when you're handing him his bag, that's J E double F J A double R E double T stop it. Uh, you know, we've said it before. I want to say it one more time and then we'll move on. If cats have nine lives, Jeff Jarrett has 10. Congratulations, concert. Can't wait to see That's what's almost like, uh, no, it's not a backhanded compliment. It's like I've been dead nine times. I've never been dead. I, here's just- what I'm saying. Other people, if they would have been in the position you were in, they would have considered themselves counted out and taken themselves out of the race. You don't do that. No, you persevere. You try to see, and you and I are both sick in this regard. <laughs> something bad will happen to us and we will convince ourselves. It's a good thing and shoulder on or soldier on. We just keep Why marching forward well, because I don't think, and you've talked about this when something bad happened to you with the loss of your friend at a wrestling show, many, many years ago, you never allowed yourself to process it. No, you just I kept sure putting did. one foot in front of the other. Like to kill me. Well, but the point is you and I do that in our business life. Yes. I can call you with bad news. And we have that conversation for about seven seconds. And then we're immediately on to how this could be positive for both of us. We had it last night. We did. And, and <laughs> we had it. I called with what might've been horrible news and would be for a lot of other people that I do business with. They would have just been the worst thing ever, but I knew in my mind, well, it's a good thing. And here's why. And I didn't have to sell you on it. You were like, oh, that's great. All right. Well, I'm ready. And that was it. And so I just. That's what I appreciate you as a, as a business person is we understand, Hey man, in business, some things are going to work. Some things aren't let's do more of what works. Let's do less of what doesn't. And that's the reason you've been successful in business and you don't let, and you understand most of all that failure is an event, not a person. And so Mm. when you stub your toe, pick yourself up, dust your shit off and let's go. And you've done that over and over and over. Just look at this year, dude. It's just. It's phenomenal. I hope everybody in the wrestling business who's worried about their longevity, not necessarily. I had a run once I was a top guy. No, if you want to make a living for a long, long time in wrestling, and you're not paying attention to what Jeff's doing, you're missing out. So hmm. bravo concert. Appreciate be, it, pal. That being, that being said, F the volunteers, uh, Genesis uh, 2007. Oh, Todd. It went down November 11th, 2007. And boy, is there a lot to discuss in this show? Oh my gosh. Conrad, before we get into this, when I read all the research and the in-depth that the, I think Derek just wanted to humiliate us this week because this stuff, me trying to recall it and think through it, man, there was a lot going on inside, outside, 
But uh, 07, so this is the 15th anniversary. Some of the things we're going to talk about, talk about today, Rikishi, a power play, um, a surprise, uh, all this. We had just gotten going to two hours. And this is November of 2007. And I think of my personal life where things were going on, and we kind of touched on that last week. There was still a lot of raw emotion going on and and in, in the household. I'll just say I'm glad all of this is in my rearview mirror because it, it it is it this is a lot this, this episode will be a lot of fun you'll make it fun but a uh, lot to digest here is what I'm saying. There's a big showdown according to the Observer that ended up with some pacification. Apparently, Kurt Angle and Jeff Jarrett have hashed things out. The list of names we were given that had to go to get Carter together and try and force a booking change consisted of almost every top name in the company, except sting who wouldn't take sides. While we had multiple sources, list names that were on angle side, at least one key person on the list also said he had not been asked to take sides. The complaint is the company should have gone with a more traditional and logical approach to the booking. Different names were mentioned in conversations as to what that entails. But right now it appears everything is status quo. So in case you haven't figured this out, Kurt angle is now in Dixie Carter's ear. She's looking to, uh, pacify her top star. She also wants to level up the company. And as with everything else, there's always a contingent that's not happy in the locker room thinks it should be done differently. Well, if I run the place, I do this, that sort of thing. And you have someone who's been long invested in booking right there as a talent and a fellow named Jim Cornette and Meltzer even brings it up. Jim Cornette's name did come up in conversation in recent weeks regarding the same thing of wanting logical booking. Although as best I can tell, it was not from the wrestlers who were going to force a change and then compromised on the issue, but he was approached with a, what if scenario, although what would go on to become a vocal part of the committee as opposed to a singular booker. He was negative on adding the stri- the stress in his life. Cornette apparently tries to keep his frustration with the booking to a minimum, but he's very high on the ability of most of the company's wrestlers. So it feels as if people think, man, we should just give more to Cornette. And he doesn't really want to do that. He's happy with his lot in life of maybe mostly being a performer. Is that fair to say? Without question. He wanted no part of, I'll say it diplomatically, responsibility. Happy to give input, great input. Uh, He was very detached from his input and didn't take ownership in a positive way. Hey, Jeff, here's what I think. Let me roll it out to you. Take it for what it's worth. You know, Jim, at this point, you know, 2000, he was – not just seasoned. He was super seasoned in that. Hey, I've kind of been there, done that. I've worked for WCW and I've worked for Bill Watts and I've worked for Jerry Jarrett and the Crockett's and uh, Vince McMahon and Pat Patterson and uh, everything. So here he's at at TNA and you know, our Jim's mother, my grandmother, it's a long time, like family type relationship. He just wanted to help out. But as far as saying, Hey, Jim, you have the responsibility of putting this show together or even any responsibility. He's like, no, thanks. I want no part of that. And to kind of back up on on all this, when I kind of look at, um, 
you know, what you alluded to that, that there were uh, definitive sides. And I think you just said, uh, Kurt Angle and Dixie's ear. Uh, I almost wanted to kind of flip that and say in a lot of ways, and we touched on it and we've touched on it often in the Dixie episode and others, Dixie was really in Kurt's ear, which kind of makes it difficult, but it was a lot of tension, a lot of uneasiness. They're already now look, we're two, three, four episodes going from one hour to two Conrad. So the unrest of everybody was at their bowling point because they weren't getting TV time. They, 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 they obviously wanted more money. And then we went from one to two hours, more money, more TV time. A lot of people delusionally thought, Oh, that's the instant cure. There's more slots. Well, that didn't happen that way. You can just have it, it just. So, um, again, I'll go back to that. Trying to make a healthy mix of veterans talent and up and comer talent and guys who've been there since day one. It was a hell of a juggling act that wasn't easy at times, which created a boatload of unrest. But as far as a true division, I I, I was not aware of that. Like people picking sides, like Sting didn't pick a side. I, I was never aware of that. I'm not saying it didn't happen, but never aware of it. Doesn't seem a little silly too. Oh, completely, completely. I, I'm not listening. You know, I'm a big. Uh, I mean, I subscribe to the torch of the observer to this day. I have since 1997, no plans to stop anytime soon. Think about that. I'm 25 years deep in my subscriptions. Even when I quit watching wrestling, I kept the subscriptions. So even though I wasn't necessarily consuming the product, I'd still try to keep up here and there with the big, you know, movers and shakers. What companies would you want to work for? Just capital is a nonprofit that tracks, which companies are a force for good companies like bank of America which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. But I say all that to say, boy, the locker room's divided, everybody's picking sides. I'm not saying I've been in a bunch of wrestling locker rooms, but that feels like stuff to sell newsletters. Well, and, and Hey, I defend that. I get that because the big picture was that good news doesn't sell. The good news was TNA just really up their game from a revenue point of view. We doubled the licensing fee without doubling expenses. And I've said that multiple times on here. That was great. Uh, the ability to have two hours to sell pay-per-views as opposed to one. Now that didn't always work out, but there was a lot of bright spots internationally. That's one of the things when I think back on where I sit today, Conrad and the international opportunities out there in these days, pre-social media and, and navigating the way through international, the opportunities that were coming up when we went from one to two hours, then all of a sudden the international licensee goes, Oh, wow. So now you can really provide us with, cause we had a, a, a you know, explosion. So you're giving us three hours a week and just everything was growing exponentially. So there was, I say all that to say there was so much positive movement behind the scenes, but that doesn't sell newsletters. Bad news does. Well, I'll tell you what else sells and that's wiener pills. We want to thank blue chew for making our wieners real, real hard. Now, of course this past Wednesday, Jeff didn't need any, uh, because Jeff was flying high, you know, who might've needed one Darby Allen. He probably didn't know where the hell he was. Well, 
Welcome to slap nuts LLC and welcome to the spot where I shield blue chew. I do it every week because I love it. It works. I'm going on vacation this week. I'm, uh, I'm packing some things. One of those things blue chew. That's right. I want to be packing a little extra. If you know what I'm talking about blue chew is a unique online service. It delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and a fraction of the cost. Now you can take these anytime day or night. So plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now the process is simple. You'll sign up at bluechew.com. You'll consult with a licensed medical provider. And once you're approved, well, you'll receive your prescription within days. It really is that simple. There's no awkward conversation. There's no visits to the doctor's office. There's no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA. They prepare and ship directly to your door. And of course they're doing it because as you know, it'll be time to spend a little time with your baby tonight with blue chew. And if you could benefit from extra confidence, when it's time to perform, chew it and do it. Have better sex. Y'all maybe you'll get her wrapped around your little finger. I don't know. we got a special deal for our listeners. Try blue chew for free. When you use our promo code MYWORLD at checkout, just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is MYWORLD. Receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we want to thank Blue Chew for sponsoring today's episode. And Jeff Sweener. Yeah. Bluetooth.com promo code my world. All right, let's get back to it. Conrad, you could make a whole read out of my music playlist because if you want to be the chosen one, welcome to my world and spend my ba- hey, I mean, will you let we're giving spoilers? Oh, sorry. I mean, we got other ads. Okay. <laughs> so let's talk about the creative coming out of uh, impact on the way to bound for glory. Meltzer would say he had two versions of thoughts on the show. As a TV viewer, he enjoyed it more than most episodes of Raw or SmackDown recently. He thought the verbiage in the interviews was crap. Too many useless conflicts from people he couldn't care less about. And he didn't think you were really building towards the pay-per-view. He's critical of Kurt and Karen being sort of on again, off again. Not in real life. I mean, uh, characters. And now Karen is saying, Kurt, there's no way you could beat Sting by yourself. And I'm worried about Nash really hurting you. And as silly as the interviews are, Meltzer says, and this is great. Having said that Kurt, as much often as he's a laughing stock was just tremendous on his promos. He was so entertaining that you could almost overlook how stupid all the writing was almost man. When you got a great performer, they can kind of overcome bad creative. Kurt angle was doing that here. Was he not? And, and I'm telling you, and I've said this, I don't know, recently on one of the episodes, uh, because, uh, on social, they kind of quote tweeted me or whatever it was that, that a real ruthless Kurt angle character wise is great, Yes, but setting it up with comedy or self-deprecating humor, or maybe playing the, you know, elevator, don't go all the way to the top, whatever it may, whatever that role was. Kurt, I don't want to call this his prime, 
but maybe it was his prime. I mean, he would hit it. He's a hell of an actor, very convincing. I don't want to say just authentic, but very convincing in, in his role that, damn, he, he, you know, whatever the role was, and then kind of put it on the twist, like, okay, his wife is pushing his buttons or whatever the dynamic was that was laid out. Dave's right. I mean, it was, he, Kurt was great. I mean, really, really good in this. Uh, and we'll, we'll get into a couple of things because I chatted with the queen before uh, we started rolling and I wanted her feedback to add to the, and I'll give it to you in a second. I think you'll chuckle. Well, Nash destroys Kurt angle, which we know is going to wind up as a swerve before we get there though, Cornette and Tanae have a parade of champions or a parade of new champions. Cage comes out with styles and Tomko sting comes out and accepts a match with Kurt angle. And here comes Kurt in a wheelchair from the Kevin Nash attack. And Karen said, Kurt would be ready next week, which is great stuff. When you think about it, I'm in a wheelchair now, but next week I'm going to kick your ass. This is great stuff. Is it not? Well, it's a little bit over the top. And when we really get into the minutia of all this and I pull myself back because some of it, I'm like, God almighty. I don't really remember that segment or that it's yeah. It may or may not be 15 years ago. And sometimes I have great recall. There's some segments in here that I go, what the hell were we thinking collectively as a group writing Dutch Vince, the whole lot. I'll throw Cornette's name in there and let him cuss me out, but no, but, uh, some of it, uh, was bizarre. Some of it was off track. Uh, but, um, you know, the outlandish vaudeville, uh, that's been referred to two hour show. You got to make it entertaining. So Kurt and Karen, <laughs> he'll be ready next week. Oh, but no, he's in the wheelchair. So funny. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Kazarian's going to beat Hoyt Christy Hemi, who had suffered a broken back and helped out at the pay-per-view. She's here. And of course, fine because, well, that's just what we do. It's wrestling. Abyss is going to pin disco Inferno in a one minute squash. And then rain is going to attack Abyss. Mitchell comes out, they handcuff Abyss to the ropes and put the rat in his face. No, not the Memphis kind, an actual shooting rat. And the entire angle died in the building. Listen, rats in wrestling are like peanut butter and jelly, or they were once upon a time, but I don't know about this kind. What can you tell us about? I, I know that we paid a pretty penny to bring in and Dutch would always have some funny liners that, I mean, literally a, a, a an oversized giant rat was a part of a black rain. For those that don't know, that was Dustin Rhodes. That was his persona, which I liked, I, you know, did it have its time to fruition and all that kind of stuff? But no, we, uh, hired, you know, in Florida, you hire, you know, we've hired all kinds of animals to come in spiders and rats and birds. And <laughs> I mean, the whole shit, look at Conrad, you're just chuckling at me, but, uh, but yeah, we hired a rat and paid good money to have that rat, uh, backstage. The rats are supposed to be free, Jeff. Well, the, no, this rat was backstage and was high dollar. You had a, so there's a budget that went to Texas that said rat. And there was a dollar sign attached to it and the rat handler. Well, if you just pluck this conversation out of this context, we're talking about rats and free and paid and out of backstage, this rats backstage, but in a cage, but you took it out of the cage. You shouldn't be. I, I like free range rat. I don't like caged rat. <laughs> And we're, we're eating different over here at the Conrad's, uh, what are we, we doing? 
Cage pins Joe in a good match. There's another ref bump. Uh, Rude's going to hit Joe with a chair. Cage gets the pin. Anyway, you got lots of interfering in every match. We got animals involved. We got people in wheelchairs. I could see how someone would say we're doing too much. Would that be fair to say? For sure. Uh, to get a little serious here, when I kind of worked through all this, it was, and I just wonder, I think back to myself, all right, we had a one hour show for however long that was year and a half, two, you know, whatever it may be. And now we had two hours. Did we all instinctively, and I say, we pronouns, pal, me, Dutch, Vince, JB, Tanae, whoever was in the room creatively, did we just swing so far the other way and say, okay, we went from 42 minutes to 84. Let's roll with these stories. And just, you know, we had 10 pounds and a five pound, and now we had 20 pounds and a 10 pound. I mean, did, did we, maybe we did Conrad it, at reading it back. And again, this is Dave's opinion that he wrote and wanted to sell newsletters, but there's some writing in there that no matter how you whittle it down, way too much overriding was just way too much verbiage way too much overriding uh a lot of nonsense and uh, wrestling and nonsense has always somewhat been a part of it but yeah it's overkill in multiple instances uh in this lead up to genesis 07 just capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good companies like bank of america which just earned the just capital seal Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Let's talk about a little backstage action here. The Steiners and Kip James were mad they weren't used on TV. And Kip was having words with Jared about it. He's probably not the guy to be losing his cool since he's one of the higher paid guys in the company and isn't over a lick. Pretty critical words there from Dave. Do you remember guys being upset that they're not being used on TV? And I assume that's the case, not because they're necessarily concerned about their spot. It probably has something to do with their pay. Is that right? More their spot. And, and, and I say that. Isn't it funny? Isn't it ironic? As Alanis Morissette would say, isn't it ironic? Same situations go on today. Yes. Just not enough spots. Yes. It, we, we, same type deal. But, but I had, you know, so Kip James, I don't know how Dave wrote it, but me and Billy Volley, I mean, cause we worked together in WWF from the smoking guns, the new, and we've known each other since 93, 94, but Billy had no problem coming up and saying, dude, I'm not on the show. And Scott Steiner damn sure didn't have a problem coming up to me. Robbie didn't really care. We brought him down there. He knew what he's getting paid, whatever it may be. Uh, but yeah, and, and the veterans are the guys that a had had a long time working relationship and B wouldn't lose their cool, but they certainly knew that I don't say squeaky wheel gets the oil, but they voiced their opinion. Hey man, we're at two hours now. Why am I not on? And that comes with every television taping. There's not a one that I've ever haven't been to when I'm in part of creative that there isn't some talent who's unhappy with their TV time. The show on the 18th gets a 1.0 rating. That's 1.3 million viewers. That's slightly uh, down from the ratings for the first two editions of the two hour impact. 
did you remember what the goals were? I mean, did you have a goal to say, you know, our goal is to by this date, be at 2 million or what have you, or is that not really a thing? No, you know what that that's, and I, Hey, Derek, if you're listening, which you, I'm sure you will. I have tried to actually go online and look, what was the network average? at spike in 2007 or 2006 or 2008, 2009. That is something that I always wanted to be well above that. That's your, you know, you got a ledger sheet and they have, you know, at that time, uh, yeah. Seven nights of prime. I don't know if they uh, programmed original programming all seven nights, but I wanted to be well above network average specifically in the demo. And that's kind of a, a, Goal one, goal two is we always wanted to hit that 2 million mark. Um, now to put it in context, Monday night raw at this time, it's a different landscape. They doing four or 5 million. Uh, it was just, it, it was a, it was a different era. Uh, but, but, and they were USA network, the number one general entertainment, uh, you know, cable, uh, network, uh, had all kinds of successful shows on, Sunday night and Tuesday night. I mean, they were successful, super successful network, Bonnie hammer and that whole crew, but Kevin K and Brian diamond and Scott Fishman, the conversations that we would have were, they were worried about the demo first, the male demo. It's that's how they sold their advertising. That's what made their world go around. Uh, and then of course, viewers and, and overall, because that lifts the entire, you know, the network average, you want to lift that because they had buys out there. <clears throat> but for us as a company, we knew that we wanted as broad of an audience as possible. So we did have in our mind, can we get to 2 million viewers knowing that we started at six or 700,000 on a Saturday night and then went to Thursday night off prime then Thursday prime, then we got into that two hours. We kind of knew that I don't say that we were out of stepping stones programming wise, because we always wanted that third hour on a different night. We, we, and we were heading in that direction without question. We were heading in that direction. Uh, as far as original content wrestling, uh, we never, never got there, but, uh, 2 million viewers. Yes. Was a goal that we had focused on and knew that it wasn't going to happen overnight. But uh, we'd certainly head in that direction. The, uh, the next thing we should talk about is uh, on the way to build towards this pay-per-view, we have a pretty rough episode of Impact on the 25th. And Meltzer would say it's one of those shows that makes you realize just how messed up things are. The angles aren't rushed, but there's just way too many of them. How many men and women together are fighting? Four. Four duplicate angles in the same promotion. And nobody but the most ardent TNA fans can probably name them. Of course, there's Kurt and Karen who are in the main event, Robert and Mrs. Brooks, Robert Rude, and Mrs. Brooks, who have a long time angle. Um, the two identical angles is one too many, but you can probably handle that. But now we've added Christy Hemi and Jimmy Rave and Lance Hoyt. Nobody cares about that or wants to see it. Now we got Jackie Moore and James storm doing the same thing involving Eric young in the Kazarian role. Um, this has been criticized at times where you would see guys go out and on the same card, maybe use the same finish. And Eric Bischoff has said that Jimmy Hart used to be critical when you would have two wrestlers who would go out wearing the same colors in a match or whatever. Is there, is this because we're booking by committee and there's not enough continuity? 
should there been, should there have been someone who raised their hand and said, Hey, isn't this awfully similar to that other thing? Or is that not even a consideration in this era? Sure. It's a consideration, but, um, I almost Conrad, I can go back to the conversations in the room and the different opinions. And yes, they was discussed, but, um, females, a get ratings. It's, it's just a, a simple fact of a male soap opera. Ta-da. What a magical thought. Females get ratings. Uh, now that you can do too much and you can do bad programming, blah, blah, blah. But in generality, so, so them females involved in stories is also real life. It's a, it's a, it's a testosterone dri- driven business, if you will. And I say that not male or female, but fights, simulated fights, matches and everything. And that's the aggression that comes out. But to counter counterbalance that you, you have love interest. And, you know, when I broke those four down and look back on it, I can remember the different conversations that yes, it is four different females involved in stories, but it's also a marriage. Uh, the Christy Hemi was a, not anywhere close to a marriage. You know, Kurt and Karen were married. Uh, you look at rude and, um, Tracy, their on-screen personality complete, obviously wasn't a marriage type deal. And then you look at Jackie Moore and, and, and James storm that had a different flavor to it as well. So yes, but it also makes again for good newsletter writing. Oh my gosh, there are four storylines with four women and not every match is a championship match and belts and this and that. And the females are overshadowing the championship titles, bro. It's storytelling and different flavors, but yeah, it's subjective. I always go back to it is subjective. So can I see your point? Too many females? Yes. But guess what? The subjectivity part of it is the exact same person could say, oh, man, not enough females. You got too much titles on there. I mean, it's just two sides of the coin. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. Let's talk about, uh, well, an interesting little twist in the Kurt Angle, Karen, Kevin Nash thing. They're going to do a title match with Angle and Sting right in the middle of the show. And the early subplot was Kurt wanting Nash back on his side. And he desperately wants it so desperately that he tells Karen to go sleep with Kevin Nash. They even referenced the, the, the movie from back in the day indecent proposal. So she goes over to seduce Nash. She's all over him. And he says he's dreamed of it and then drops her and says maybe 10 years ago. And he's critical of plastic surgery that she may have had done or what have you. And Meltzer would say, you got a woman who you're trying to sell us as super hot and Nash blows her off like an aging stripper. This is just less than ideal creative. (laughs) You like this? Oh, it was it, this. And I asked Karen just not, not specifically this scene, but the kind of the whole thread, because she was involved in this entire month buildup. And I said, give me a story that I can take back to old Connie. Give me something on the podcast, whatever, as you have coached me up, just 
think about stuff, story behind the story behind the story. And she goes, oh, God. That was kind of her, I don't say first run, but, you know, she was just really getting started. Yeah. And she said, I would go in the the bathroom or I would go back behind the trailers. And she said, I think I actually had anxiety attacks. I, I would get nauseous. I would get nervous um, because she said, look, I, you know, I, I didn't really know any, anybody. I knew him, but I knew him as the spouse, uh, all that. Now I'm an on-screen character and you got Russo producing me and then JB and JB always made her laugh. And then, you know, this is j- just kind of the dynamic. So the queen would, this is her uh, rookie year, maybe if you will, yes. how nervous she, 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 she literally, and I'm like, really? I didn't really know that to the, I mean, I'm like, you got that. She said, Oh my God, it's terrible. Um, but you can see the nuances in this, that it's Russo. I don't want to say one-on-one, but it was just what you said that, 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 you know, Vince would go up to a line and then blow right through it. And it lost to me all the zing or the emotion. It just shattered anything you had kind of built up for just pushed it too far. Uh, and I can tell you, me and him had those conversations about entering product, about finishes, about pre-tapes, about storylines. There, there comes a line that, that, that I believe the viewer can follow and you can suck them in, in reality based stuff. But there's a point when you go over that line, you lose the viewer and they, they, re, they, they repulse it. Right. They, 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 that you just, Nope, I'm not going there. I don't like it. And you lose the viewer. So in the- I, 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 just real quick on that, me and my dad just had that conversation about Memphis, um, one of our lunches. And I'm just like, he goes, that's kind of the beauty that the business. And he goes, look, TV rights fees and WWE's revenue, 70 something percent guaranteed. And it just how the business is made. But back in the day, tales of the territory back in those days when they would shoot an angle and they would think it was great and then go to the box office and it didn't draw. They knew right then it didn't resonate for whatever reason. Did they cross the line? Did, did they, did they go too far with it? Was it not believable? Whatever it, what, whatever the reason was, they knew that it wasn't successful. So they had to pivot the following TV content like this. We had no barometer like that. Right. Yeah. We had TV ratings, but TV ratings are not the same as a paying consumer. Yes. It's a great barometer, but sorry for that uh, rabbit hole. But yeah, I, I just think it's a good point that you said, ah, isn't this just bad creative? And now that is, we're reading it 15 years later, I mean, Conrad, I'm telling you, not only is it bad, it's terrible. Yes. It's just terrible. I think Russo would tell you today. Yes, that was terrible. I do. Listen, I'm glad you uh, cut me off and told me about having lunch with your dad because it feels like it's uh, an opportunity to learn more about my world. And uh, your world these days is uh, pretty busy. And I got something that you might not have known about, Jeff, and I'm excited to tell you about. little pop question for all of our listeners. Did you know traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? Yeah. 
It can lead to acne, allergies, stuffy noses, and buddy, it's just gross. Miracle Brand offers a whole line of self-cleaning, eco-friendly bedding, like sheets, pillowcases, and comforters that prevent 99% of bacteria and require three times less laundry. Using silver-infused fabrics originally developed by NASA, Miracle Brand sheets are thermoregulating, designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long so you get better sleep every night. Not only that, how about self-cleaning? You heard me. These sheets are infused with natural silver. That prevents 99.9% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresher three times longer than other sheets. No more gross odors. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable. Without the high price tags of other luxury brands, Miracle sheets are the perfect gift for your spouse, your friends, your family. Who doesn't want better sleep and luxurious feeling bed sheets? And by the way, these come with three free towels. You get two gifts in one, just in time for the holidays. Stop sleeping on bacteria. Clean sheets mean less bacteria to clog your pores, fewer breakouts and other skin problems. Go right now to trymiracle.com slash myworld to try it today or gift it to someone special this holiday season. We got a special deal for our listeners. Save 40% and be sure to use our promo code myworld at checkout to save even more and get three free towels. Come on now, three free towels. Miracle is so confident in this product. It's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, you'll get a refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Brand. Go to trymiracle.com slash myworld and use the code myworld to claim your free three-priest towel set and save over 40%. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash myworld to treat yourself, a friend, or a loved one this holiday season. We thank you, Miracle Brand, for sponsoring this episode. How about that, dude? No more bacteria on your sheets. Perfect gift. And who didn't want them for themselves? Me. Come, Come on. on, pal. Try miracle.com forward slash my world. You're going to need it, especially with that rickety ass fan you got in your bedroom. Oh, would you stop it? <laughs> so let's talk about the match. We got angle beating sting referee. Andrew Thomas is going to be out arguing with Nash. Thomas gets knocked down. Angle gives slam, uh, sting an Olympic slam. A second sure. referee comes out, counts the pin and angles announced as the champ. But then Thomas and Hebner start arguing. So here comes Jim Cornette. He says, he's going to talk to the referees and make a decision by the end of the show over who is champion. We see the backstage arguing too. What, what do you think of this creative where you're not putting the title in the main event position? You're teasing a story. You're going to do the match in the middle of the show and then maybe pay it off by the end of the show. It feels like a nice thread to keep people tuned in, right? Exactly what it was. Put it in the crossover a little. Side note for my world listeners. When I read the notes, Andrew Thomas was a referee. Yep. He got a start at TNA. Yep. We now know what he's doing these days. Don't we? Conrad? We, we do. It, it's amazing. It really, I just chuckled when I saw that. Oh, Andrew Thomas producing for AEW. So, uh, how the world comes full circle, but I also reminisced about Jim, Jim Cornette may be the best on screen arguer of all time. He, He's certainly top five. Yes. Perfect. But that was the thread of this. All kidding aside that, uh, put it in the crossover. That was something when we went from one to two hours, very strategic for spike. 
that you, you have an audience, uh, you got a million viewers, um, you know, eight o'clock prime, uh, nine o'clock prime, 10 o'clock prime. They always juggle and you know, joust and want to have that. So if you put something on compelling three to four minutes before the top of the hour, but you run that segment past three or four after the hour, hypothetically, as Connie would say, you're holding your viewers. You're not giving them the opportunity to switch channels at the top of the hour to go catch a new program. That was the mindset of a putting the championship match there. And also how do we tell a thread? You know, there's not a decisive victory, a little bit different that, you know, NFL does rules calls. And sometimes those football guys on the, you know, they got 15 replays and it still takes five minutes uh, to give the outcome. Well, in this, we wanted to give it through the rest of the hour to hopefully hold the viewer to the end of the show. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening, wherever you listen. Well, let's talk about what's next. We got Bobby Roode working a match with uh, Junior Fatu. We know him as Rikishi. Rikishi gets the win with the Rikishi driver. He's even going to be doing a promo here where he refers to Bobby Roode as a jabroni and boy, Wade Keller just roasted you guys in the newsletter saying this is a guy who was hired based on his resume rather than his qualifications. And there is a difference. If you'd been watching every week or most weeks, you knew that what he'd been doing in WWE wasn't going to be a fit for a winning promotion. It's not a part of a successful formula in wrestling by this era. And it gets to a point where you guys can't come to terms on a new contract, even after he's had TV time and gone over your talent. So he's out. And allegedly when you make that announcement to fans live, that he's no longer at the taping, the fans cheer. Who was a big junior Fatu fan? How does he come in? And why do you remember ultimately you all coming to the same conclusion that this isn't the good fit? Me was the number one fan, you know, look, and the head shrinkers were a part of the new generation, but also the, the Samoan family, the history, the legacy, all that. Yeah. I mean, they worked the territory in the late seventies, early eighties. Anyway, so working with the family, but also business wise, it goes without saying he had a lot of equity, a lot of TV time, uh, and, and was a marquee act. So give it a shot. I think the real reality of it, this, and I think junior and me would, I mean, we'd both sit down and have the conversation. A, he was Las Vegas or West coast based and Pensacola based. So arranging that ticket, he sometimes couldn't tell us when and where he was going to be at. Um, look first class, it goes without saying, uh, but yeah, that's a, that's a budget item as well. And then at the very top of the list was, he was at a stage at, uh, we'll call it his entering career that look, he had been to the mountaintop. Uh, he had been to the WrestleManias. He, he wasn't ever going to be happy. And I don't think it was just TNA, but anywhere else except WWE, not only the, the, the 
pomp and circumstances, but the financial aspect of it. We couldn't pay him anywhere close to what WWE had paid him per shot. And I think that's comes with every veteran has to digest that. Uh, and sometimes they can digest it and sometimes they can't. We also had a, had a limited amount of slots for veterans. We had Nash, we had Christian, we had Kurt, we had 3d, you know, so we were very conscientious of getting two top veteran heavy. It just didn't work out, but we, uh, damn sure gave it a try. What I wasn't aware of was how in tune that impact faithful was in knowing kind of the dynamic, but they did cheer. And that, that was, you know, that is a, maybe it's a minority, maybe it's not, but the, the, the fan base letting you know how they felt loud and clear. Next up, we get Cornette and Tanae coming out. Cornette says that since Nash never interfered in the match and angle got the three count angles, the new champ. And then he announces it's going to be angle and Nash versus sting and somebody else with the winner of the fall, getting the title. So it's a tag match for the title. Kurt's got his belt back. So he's happy, but he's going to be done with Nash here. He flips him off and now Nash is furious. So he's going to charge after Kurt and Karen run. Kurt gets in the car and speeds away without Karen. So Karen takes her high heels off and just tries to run away. This is just uh, less than, and maybe the rating reflected it. You get a 0.98 rating. Not only is it a letdown, it's a letdown because it was Kurt and Ang- Kurt and uh, Sting in a title match. That feels like a a dream match, but it's not. And by the way, this is a time where mobile devices are becoming more and more popular. People are getting more and more comfortable with smartphones and whatnot. You guys push out a mobile alert to remind everybody that Scott Hall and Kevin Nash are teaming up at a non TNA show. You're promoting an indie show through mobile alerts. You have another mobile alert go out that wonders, Hey, are Brian Christopher and Scott Taylor going to join junior Fatu and TNA when it's already established junior Fatu is gone. He's not coming back. Who's to blame for this. This seems disconjointed to say the least. Left hand, not talking to the right hand. Completely. And, you know, the, the, the uh, so the, I'll call it the creative, the technology though, was killer. You know, awesome. But it was brand new. I mean, things were monetized one, nine hundred call mean gene yes. breaking news and all that, that, you know, in it's monetization, these mobile alerts, again, it's just not like it is 15 years later. It right. was, this was brand new and, you know, blackberries were iPhone wasn't even out in 07, was it? No. Yeah, I think it came out in 07. Okay. So, so, so I say all that to say, I still probably had the Blackberry. You know, the, the mobile alert technology and all that was new and cutting edge. How that kind of creative came out, I'm going to put that on the marketing department, but I remember there were multiple things like, wow, that didn't align at all. Again, growing pains. Lots yeah. and lots of growing pains. Well, there are some other pleasant growing pains. You're going to offer Austin creed consequences, creed, a, uh, a, t- a TNA contract. It happens at the NW anarchy show, Cornelia, Georgia, your old pal, Bill Barron's. Uh, he of course works with TNA, but this is his home promotion. And here we seem creed really develop over the last 17 months and Barron's hands him the contract in an envelope in front of the crowd. 
It's a big moment for him. We know him these days as Xavier Woods with New Day. And he got to start with the big time, if you will, right here in TNA. What do you think his ceiling was at the time? And I mean, nobody knew what we would see these days, probably. Well, we talked about um, Bound for Glory, Atlanta, 07. So this was the month before that. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. yeah, that's right. Right, Conrad? Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that, you know, he was uh, a, a great solution for the Pac-Man debacle, mm-hmm. but you can just look at Austin and literally put him in a lineup or walk into a dressing room and you can say, this guy's got charisma. This guy's doesn't, this guy got a little bit here. What's, what's special about this? Austin's got a smile. Uh, that may sound real simplistic, but he's got charisma out the wazoo before he opens his mouth. Yes. Uh, it's it, to me, I, I've, I've kind of always looked at him that way. And, you know, you, you can, you can look at different talent and, at times I think I've been good evaluator of talent and at other times just a swing and a miss, swing and a miss, swing and a miss. But, but Austin was a guy that had a boatload of charisma before he ever stepped in the ring, before he opened his mouth. And as young as he was in the business at this stage, he could work. Bill Barron's was, was spot on. Yep. This guy can fit the bill. He mechanically can get the job done and he could, um, you know, now look at him <laughs> today, super successful part of the, maybe the most successful three-man tag team. Uh, I know Michael Hayes may not be happy. No, I drew more money. New day is a bigger, longer, more sustainable. Oh, it's unbelievable. The kind of the run they've had. Yes. Um, but yeah, and, and good old Creed got his start way back when with us. Booker T is going to be released from WWE or they're not renewing his contract or he's not renewing whatever. And I'm curious, how does that conversation get started? I thought like, I was trying to remember like, what was the original call and, and look, my gut tells me with everything going on and I'll call it the pressure that creative had and ratings and spike and ever get everything up. I would have, I guess that Vince Russo would have come to me and I'm like, hell yeah, I contacted just because me and book had a you know, our WCW relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also Vince was in the middle of all that as well. Uh, so there was an existing relationship. Um, I'm sure that, that, uh, me Russo and Dixie had some type of conversation that yell us pursuing. Um, and, and, you know, the, the run that book had, uh, had come, I mean, a hell of a WWE run. Uh, what seven years at this time, six years. So seven from Oh one is so six year. Uh, he had a really good run. I'll just say that. So he was, an, uh, uh, I was tickled to death to even get the opportunity. So we should talk about these fantastic skits that air the next week on the show with angle and Borash. It's almost like a interrogation skit from like a crime show or something, but it's super funny. I enjoyed it. Meltzer thought some of the stuff worked, some didn't, but we're trying to build to the reveal of Sting's mystery partner. It's going to be Scott Hall. Of course, remember on the other side, it's Kevin Nash and Kurt Angle. What'd you think of these interrogation skits? Borash and Angle feel like money every day of the week. I think Jeremy is, and I used to tell him this and, and look, he, he obviously he stepped 
it's been years since he's been in front of that camera, but he was to me, and I don't say this, you know, there, there may be some old school fans that get rubbed the wrong way, but JB was the modern day mean gene. I was going to say the same thing. He was his facials, his quips, his, his timing, his comedic timing of being deadpan. And me and him have joked about, you know, I don't think he's so much a Barney Fife fan, but, uh, Mr. Furley one in the same Don Knotts, you know, uh, the Furley eyes. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Jeremy could get me laughing and he could get Karen laughing at pre-tapes more than anybody where she could not get a take done. There was a couple of instances late night after impact when we have to shoot, you know, when we're doing two shows and sometimes two and a half shows and all this. And so you, you get late and it's midnight and for BS, I'm wanting to get back to the hotel bar and we're shooting pre-tapes and JB and Karen just get the giggles and we can't get through take after take after take, but no JB unbelievable i wish he could have got to, to i really do i wish the wwe universe if you will would have gotten the opportunity to to see jb's skill set because his timing but most importantly jb always knew how to and there's an art to this and conrad you're the very best at it at times uh or all time anyway jb would bring it around and when you got done watching a pre-tape, JB was great, but you go, oh man, freaking Kurt Angle. He killed that. He it, it was a, a real skill set how to prop his talent up. I loved it. Thought it was real good stuff here. Um Kurt and Karen are gonna come out and say by the end of the show, we'll know who the mystery partner is. There's some tent uh there's some hints and things like that. Uh and it does feel like um Kaz is looking for the next big opportunity. He's going to pin storm to advance to the finals of the fight for your right. So we're trying to uh, build towards a title shot there. Team 3d come out and cut a promo on internet marks and claim they're going to destroy the X division. Saban and Shelly are really looking to break out. They're going to come out here and they call Ray fat. And, uh, of course they're going to have some interaction, but here's the note. Meltzer would write Shelly was calling Conan during the week, looking for advice on how to be, how to avoid being buried in the program. I find it interesting a, that that happened and B that Conan told Dave that Shelly called him. I know it's, he said, she said, but when you read something like that, like that in the observer, does that annoy you or do you not care? I chuckle, but then you just kind of go, Dave, aren't you supposed to have journalistic integrity? you're kind of exposing your source, right? I mean, it is what it is. He's, but, t- he's tattling a little bit for sure. Oh, for sure. But yeah. Hey, it, it's the bit. I mean, that's, that's the business we're in. So hats off to you just really, when you, when you roll that out and look at everything in context and really pull back, not to 30,000 feet, but maybe SpaceX feet. I mean, really pull out, you go, okay. Conan and Dave had a conversation, but damn, Dave, you wrote that, but okay. Hey, guess what? We're talking about it 15 years later. So it it worked. It's newsworthy. Not so much what he said, but who he name dropped in there. Christian's going to beat Chris Harris. Who's subbing for Fatu in the tournament. And, uh, Meltzer would say it's not a hundred percent that Fatu won't be back. He doesn't have a contract. He did miss the TVs on the 29th. 
because he had a prior commitment. Meltzer says there had to be a miscommunication because if they knew in advance, they'd have changed the tournament tournament around. Had he known, or had they known he was missing the show on the 29th, the explanation on TV that he wasn't there for unknown reasons was Jeff Jarrett's call because he didn't want to say anything negative. He also would say there's been problems with him because he lives in both Pensacola and Las Vegas. And at times they'd get his trans in from Pensacola and he would have to change it. So, Hey, he's, uh, been able to have two homes. Good for him. Probably a logistical nightmare. If you're trying to guess where he's going to be and save a little money and book that travel ahead of time, pretty classy of you not to let the guys bury him on TV. When I think at a different time, a different place that probably would have happened more often than not. No upside to it. Yeah. I personally liked it, but there was, and here, here's from a business point of view, this you bury someone in that set of circumstances that becomes the story. Yes. That is so counterproductive, so counterproductive. You know, you can just kind of look at a, a multitude of things in history that, uh, we'll, we'll call it VKM bury a story, not because he didn't really want it out because that's what becomes the story. And you're over here trying to sell your next t-shirt or pay-per-view or get a rating. Don't get your eye off the ball on nonsense. Well, they're working hard. Uh, this is from the observer. They're working hard for sting in 08, which is definitely a controversial move. There were people in power who weren't even for them signing him in 07 at 500 a year. He no longer draws on top, but they always put him on top because they're so stuck in the past and who used to have drawing power instead of trying to build a future. Was this a Dixie initiative? Was she in love with the idea of having sting on the show or were you still a big advocate? Uh, Look, I said it and I know we've talked about it on here every year that that came around, I, I, I tried my damnedest to get from Bob Carter or the Carters or Panda financials in that we kind of crossed this bridge on stings. We'll call it first big full-time contract that if, if that is allocated to our yearly talent budget, it's a budget buster. I love him, but it, it just, it's one man with a lot of money in it. Do I want him? Hell yes. But where are we allocating funds? And that would, you know, ultimately that always had to come from the very top at Panda, but I was a, a huge proponent and for of sting on every contract renewal, barring that financial discussion. And here's why you allocate what you need to on a weekly episodic basis. And look, we can split hairs and figure that out. But from an international sales point, from a video game, from a licensing, you got to have those leaders. You got to have those 10 pole guys that they think in the most simplistic terms, who's on the cover of the video game, who's going to be at the top of the toy line, who is in your sales deck. When you start selling your program internationally sting, it was an icon. And here we are 15 years later, and I'm mentioning on AEW television, but in 2007 off of that massive run that he had at WWE, uh, WCW, he was a household name globally since you tell me Conrad, you know, that 91 86 is when he first made his TV debut. He became a star with flair in 81 
and no, uh, won, won the world 90, title 90. in 90. He won the title in 90. Okay. So, so at this point, 17 years. Yeah. Being a top guy. Yes. You cannot replace that. Well, here's you, what you can do. You can crack that motherfucker in the head with a guitar. Are you going to do Well, we're talking, Connie. Now nah, we're talking. You going to do that soon? You think? You think a, a nice red one? You hadn't commented on my red guitar. I'm colorblind. Oh. It feels like you've chosen some people to hit over the head with guitars. Yes. And, uh, I want to invite you guys to Nashville, not to get cracked in the head with a guitar, but to a party Nashville's first of its kind live event coming to the Woolworth theater. Never seen anything like this before. Believe me. Shiners is the hottest new show in Nashville. It blends Cirque, Broadway, and comedy into one electrifying production located in downtown Nashville at the brand new Woolworth Theater. Shiners has a star-studded cast featuring Chuck Wicks and Laura Osnes, along with the most mind-blowing talent from the Cirque world. You can catch a live Shiners performance at Woolworth Theater on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights. General admission and VIP tickets are on sale now at shinersnashville.com or bring your whole crew and watch the show from your own VIP box. Enjoy some delicious signature cocktails and ice cold beer while you watch the show. You won't want to miss this. If you live in or near Nashville, or maybe you're headed there soon for some fun, get your tickets today for shiners at shinersnashville.com. I got to tell you, I, uh, I've yet to see that show, but the wife and I were going, well, we're going soon and I'll make sure I go on a Wednesday. So I don't get hit with a guitar. Just throwing it out there. Shiners, Nashville, Nashville is the it city flying back in. Uh, man, oh man, you know, Tennessee's the it state. You got the Titans, got the volunteers and you got Shiner. Enough Nashville. of that. Enough of that. Oh, roll tide. So the go home show is uh, on impact. It's uh hilarious. According to Meltzer. He says they spent two hours building up the go home show for a pay-per-view to really tease a confrontation between Hall and Nash. And then at the end, they hug along the way, Scott Hall, who Meltzer says doesn't like he's had a good night's sleep since the nineties. And he's not even on the pay-per-view kicks the ass of the world champion backstage in about 10 minutes. And he says the show was enjoyable and that can be said for a lot of the TNA shows, but as far as building for the pay-per-view. They built an undercard that won't add one extra buy and squandered their main event all to tell a TV story. That's something I think we should talk about. All right. Do you think Vince Russo at times was so focused on the ratings that perhaps he didn't think about the money? Meaning, Meaning once upon a time, I heard a story about someone going out and cutting a promo that everyone loved. But when he came backstage at the uh, WTBS set there in Atlanta for Jim Crockett promotions, dusty reamed his ass out and says, where was the fucking money in that promo? The idea being, yeah, it was entertaining. Yeah. Everybody liked it. Yeah. Everybody had a good time, but you didn't sell any tickets. You didn't sell any pay-per-views. I.e. Where was the fucking money in that promo? And this feels like a story now where we're excited. Who's the mystery guy. What's it going to be? Oh, it's Scott hall. 
Hey, what's going to happen? Nash on one side, Hall on the other. That's not what we're selling for the pay-per-view. This is the last episode of TV before the pay-per-view. We just had our champion get beat up backstage just a few days before the pay-per-view by a guy who's not on the pay-per-view. It feels like, as you said earlier, left hand, not knowing what the right hand's doing. Like I understand maybe it's good TV. I understand maybe it gets a good rating, but isn't the idea of this show to sell the pay-per-view or am I overthinking this? You're not overthinking it at all. The very crux throw out all the personalities, truly throw out all the personalities, but you've got Vince Russo's line of thinking and I'll call it Dutch Mantel's line of thinking. And look, there's gray areas in all of it. Dutch by the DNA of the business that he understood and got a, made a living off of was it only matters what you draw at the box office. Vince Russo in his heyday, when he went from a magazine writer to a television writer, he had zero responsibility of pay-per-view buys. It was get the highest rating you could possibly get. Now the chicken or the egg gets in this discussion because you know, it is, if you have a lot of TV viewers, are they going to convert to pay-per-view buys? And there's where the gray area comes in and the argument comes in. But Vince absolutely wrote for television ratings without question. It was the number one priority. He, 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 I I don't want to say he didn't care about pay-per-view buys, but his philosophy right or wrong was if I get the highest rating with the most people, the buys will take care of itself. On the other hand, the other train of thought was just the opposite of that in that you may sacrifice some casual viewer being entertained and saying, I want to come back and watch that, that fun segment with Kurt angle or that fun segment with Kurt and Karen or whatever the fun was, you may sacrifice a few of those. But the ones that are your meat and potatoes day in, day out, that consume your product, that you, you buy your product, T-shirts, pay-per-views, live events, everything with it, now subscriptions and all that kind of stuff, those are the ones that you have to emotionally connect with and say, I am going to convert my emotion from watching a free product on Spike to watching a pay-per-view this Sunday that that's the difference in their philosophy, throw the personalities at, but the difference in philosophies and, and that's where as a promoter at the end of the day, there is a balance, but you have to convert. And when you kind of step back and look at the history of TNA, our conversion was not there. No, you know, on the big shows, uh, respectable. The monthly, the format was dated and dead. Good old EB got it rocking and rolling in the nineties by 2006, seven and eight. That model was dead, but it kept our international hour count. It's an additional three hours, which we monetized. We didn't sell our pay-per-views internationally as pay-per-views. We sold them as premium content. I say that, that those three hours were, were sold more dollar wise than the two hour pay-per-view. 
So was it a completely failed model? No. Follow me? Yeah. But the philosophy of what we're the crux of this conversation as we sit here right now is just what you and Dave said. We sacrificed pay-per-view buys for a number to, to potentially try to get a pay-per-view uh, a rate. My bad. Try to get a television rating. Bad business. The Genesis show here is going to get 25,000 buys by comparison bound for glory, which admittedly is one of the franchise tent pole events got 40,000. So percentage wise, that math spells disaster for TNA. Speaking of math and disasters, we got Scott Steiner out here. They're going to take down the ropes. They're going to set up an amateur wrestling takedown challenge with Scott Steiner and AJ styles. Styles did not grow up a pro wrestling fan. Instead, once he starts doing amateur wrestling, his friends drag him to it. And Meltzer says, you think a guy who wrestles like styles was a fan from childhood. Either way, he shows up here in his Gainesville vocational high school wrestling singlet. And he keeps trying to take down Scott. Scott blocks them all. AJ gets frustrated, pulls powder out of his headgear, throws it in Steiner's eyes and gets three takedowns. This is really some fun stuff and some fun character stuff to get to see AJ do. Is it not great? It's the kind of stuff I don't want to get too deep on this, but, but made him who he is today, a diverse all around performer that really got out of his comfort zone. I'll just say that doing things like this were way out of AJ's comfort zone in 2007, but that's the kind of thing that you got to get out of your comfort zone to grow. So much so that everybody criticized the whole Claire Lynch or whatever her name is, the, the fake pregnancy angle that AJ did in TNA. And Bruce said, if I'm honest with you, that's the type of stuff that Vince would want to see. And he'd be more impressed by than a flippity doo Like it's one oh, thing hey. if, you're, if you're great at being a great wrestler, but Who can cares? you, can you make bad creative into an entertaining segment? Can you that's do right. lines? Can you be a character? Can you tell a story? So as much as we hardcore you know, work great smart marks might want to see a flippity doo And I do. I love a good old flippity doo What Vince McMahon was looking for is somebody who could go tell stories. And as a result of him learning how to do that, again, I realize oftentimes that sort of thinking gets criticized, meaning I know it's in fashion for us to get on here and whack each other off about four and three quarter stars and blah, blah, blah. I got it. But at the end of the day, this is what people do for a living. And if you're interested in making more money and in pro sports, if you're in a quote unquote contract year, four and three stars are cool for that fan base. But a lot of times the power that be that was making those decisions, he's looking for something else and he doesn't really see a lot of money in your four and three quarter stars. And I know that that is hurtful and that's not what you want to hear, but I think it's important that people in wrestling understand that stories are what sells WrestleMania main events not necessarily great matches. And I know that that's not popular and that upsets people, but Hey man, he went from making, I don't know what he made. He went from making three or $400,000 a year to millions of dollars a year because he became a better all around performer. And you could argue as far as in ring bell to bell, all the old school flippity doodah physicality stuff. He was probably a better athlete when he was younger. It did not affect his income earning potential. He learned how to get better in other areas. It's not all bad is my point. So anyway, well, well said, 
The final segment sees Kevin Nash call out Scott Hall. Scott Hall comes out. They start joking with each other about graying and getting older. Nash says he's got to stop living like Hall because he didn't want to lose his family. And Nash asked if he's Sting's mystery partner. Hall said he wasn't. And he would always be Nash's partner and never team with Sting. Angle comes out and demands to know who Sting's partner is. Sting comes out and tells Angle he'll find out on Sunday. Was Scott the original partner and then Booker came available to you and that's how you shifted? Or was it always supposed to be Booker T? Or did you see Scott and think, love him, but this ain't it? I, I, I look and shoot. Uh, maybe Kev would have a, m- a more <laughs> accurate or Russo, but my best recollection is, is that Booker was always the guy that, but we wanted to c- create episodic television and Kevin and Scott's relationship and partnership. And, you know, w- when you go back and look, it's Dave and them were kind. Scott wasn't in a good place. Right. Probably not even interested in having this match, to tell you the truth. Right. Uh, so that's why I say that I'm, I'm pretty sure Booker was always uh, the surprise. Of course, the entire show winds up being built around this mystery partner now. Let's jump into the matches, though. Up first, we got Abyss and Black Rain. Again, that's Dustin Rhodes. This, this is the pay per view now. We're starting. Yes. Genesis 2000 or 2007. We're finally here. We're going to do a sh- Gosh. We're going to do a Shop of Horrors match. Hope there's no singing and talking plants. Let's find out. <laughs> the only good thing I can say about this match is thank God there were no thumbtacks or broken glass bag spot. And at least the crowd was into the match, but it was kind of a stunt show that really made no sense being the opening match and was completely overbooked. They were breaking plaster boards on each other's heads. Apparently they didn't get the memo about brain damage from blows to the head. Let's take a time out. Maybe this is your fault when you think about it, Jeff. Have you even considered that? What's my fault? Well, Abyss is dumbass is running around here saying Joe Burrow is better than Joe Montana. It's probably all the head trauma you allowed him to do here. What was his QB rating last week? I was like in the sixties and he tried to convince us that's above average. (laughs) But you you think, you think there is a possibility of like a sliver of, of Dane Bramage in his football acumen. I think he's definitely got Dane Bramage. Do you think, I think he does have Dane Bramage. That's my new, I'm going to say that forever. As a matter of fact, Dane Bramage is a new shirt available <laughs> over <laughs> for Joe at adfreecares.com. We love him. We're going to no, give we him. Don't. No, we don't. Okay. We do have a bet though. <laughs> and yes, he, he said, Ohio state was going to win the national title. And I swore they would not. And in fact, when they don't, I get to, uh, get my photo made painting him and I respect him. So I'll hook the leg. No, you're not hooking the leg. You, you're not even going to get off your feet. I'm just going to do the double by pose. Balls, put one foot on the chest. Uh, and if we talk real sweet to him, maybe a little self mutilation from old Joe park, you know what? Look, he's got Dane Bramage. So, uh, it, it'd be all for one for the team and, and bless his heart. If you were to witness his fantasy football playing skills. It is an absolute confirmation that, uh, the elevator doesn't go all the way to the top. There's Dane Bramage involved. I mean, my gosh, he's still trying to get Tony Romo and Jason Witten and Pac-Man Jones on his bench for fantasy football. I, uh, I'm really glad that he's a better wrestler than he is fantasy footballer. Yeah. No kidding. 
This is actually a pretty decent match. I kind of like this. The only thing that was a little weird is I love the title. Well, how about Misty the rat? That's it. There's dozens of mouse traps. Abyss puts the rat in Mitchell's shirt. He's selling it like crazy. I wonder if that's Mitchell's first experience with the rat. No, no, no. I mean, like there's not, I was talking to Mick Foley recently about <laughs> good old Mick his King of the death match match. Yep. And I thought, man, do you think this is what Mr. Danucci thought you would do after he taught you how to do a snap mare? <laughs> I'd love to have heard this conversation. And I'm just wondering like, well, you can, it's coming out this Friday on uh, Foley's pod. But my point is. I feel like Tom Hanks, there's not supposed to, I know this sounds silly. There's not supposed to be rats in wrestling. This is not a working rat. This rat's getting a payday. This rat's getting more TV time than Billy Gunn. Um, and let me just ask you something. Yeah. Do you think as the shop of horrors match was going on Mm -hmm. and, uh, the monster abyss, right. Had laced him up that night and black rain on the other side of the ring. What do you think the son of the plumber was thinking when he watched Misty perform? Baby, I'm going to need to be paid in advance. Mr. Jared. <laughs> Can I go ahead and get my check today? Can it be cash? Baby, the son of the plumber probably, uh, shook his head on this one. As if this isn't enough after the double knucks and, uh, the, the big black hole slam and all that and the rats, we go unlock the box to see what's inside. It's Johnny Stamboli with a great Muda mask on. He's going to blow mist and abyss's eyes. His name is relic relic and rain. Then put abyss into the box, throw him off the ramp. This is all the opening match and abyss allegedly asked that the crash pad be removed from the floor because he wanted it to look and feel more dangerous legitimately. And Meltzer says he could have been hurt seriously because you can't control the box as it falls. And he came out with a minor kink in his neck and a minor bloody mouth, but they cut away and never addressed it again. And he went and set his fantasy lineup and lost every game the rest of the season. Yep. At Dave least, has a, get, get some good inside reporting there. Maybe one uh, of those sentences was made up, but this is all the opening match, Jeff. So I was going to let you in on a little, when I w- go back and look at the, the research and, and I think, because that would be, uh, you know, you get our creative, but then, you know, there is at times lengthy discussions on show order and Conrad, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times, guys. The show to order is subjective. And here's the variable that we have no idea. A lot of times a crowd is red hot from the beginning. Sometimes, you know, in this time, in this time frame, going from one to two hours, the impact zone in Orlando, what a wonderful luxury. You know, we were taking our pay-per-views out on the road, the big ones. Uh, you know, I know that went fluctuate and all that. But a good rabbit impact zone crowd was awesome. I mean, it, it was awesome. So starting with this and all the, the the rat and all that kind of stuff, 
there was a reason as you get in show flow, cause we've got Sanjay coming up here. You're going to see and lethal, uh, and you'll see cause it casts just kind of the show flow. There's never a perfect answer, but start with a, a, a non-traditional opening match. I'll just say that. It's, uh, a fascinating show. Uh, the, the next match, or I guess before we get there, we should, we should recap this directly from the observer. The crowd wasn't, wasn't as hot as it had been for the last few pay-per-view shows. And I can't really point to a good reason why when I watched them all pull out a barbed wire bat and take stuntman bumps off the stage to the floor, just a few minutes in the opening match, I thought they're going to pay for it later in the show, but the team 3d versus machine guns match that follows got really strong crowd reaction. The problem is that the women's match was a generic bout with women who have not developed personas. And even under the best circumstances, women's wrestling is a hard sell. So that opening match got three quarters of a star in the torch, a star and a half in the observer. But I do think he sets an interest. He, he, he talks, uh, it brings up an interesting point that the crowd reaction, you would think, man, it's going to be hard to follow that. It's somehow better for a traditional wrestling match. And Meltzer would say it's probably the most heated match on the card. Talking about Saban and Shelley against team 3d. They go 17 minutes and 37 seconds. And he would even comment that 3d are great heels to the live crowd. And in a sense, they're the only ones the crowd doesn't truly like. It's a really, really fun match. Meltzer really liked it. Gives it three and a half stars. The torch gives it three and a quarter stars. Shaley and Seb, uh, Saban give uh, Bubba Ray the Enziguri, and that's the pin. What'd you think, man? This is uh, pretty cool. A team 3D, they're established. They don't need it. They don't have to have it. But this is a major feather in the cap for the Motor City Machine Guns, is it not? Huge. And I will say this: this is to me, and I get to remember it with fondness. But this is classic TNA tag team wrestling, and. As far as that impact zone and knowing how to incite emotion, uh, Bubba's great, not good, great. That uh, they they were great heels in that setting, and Saban and Shelley, guys that had been there since day one. You know, they were on the Fox Sports shows. You know, they they had acquired, grown. Uh, an emotional connection to the impact faithful that were there at almost every taping. And then that translated to the rest of the arena and give those guys some time on a pay-per-view Sunday, they tore it down. And, and look, it, it you, you think about, you know, when you, to me, you think about team 3d and, and you think, just all the highlights that they've done through the years. But as far as mechanically working a tag match, Bubba and Devon are some of the best that's ever done it. Right. The mechanics of a tag. Really, really good. Next up, it's a fun match. It's uh, the ladies match. It's Kim retaining the knockouts title over Roxy and Angel Williams and ODB. Nine minutes and one second. Meltzer would say you gave it more time than WWE would. Uh, the post-match would see Kong come out to confront Kim, but in mid scene, they cut to Jeremy Borash and Karen angle in the back with angle hitting on security. They open the limo where they think the mystery partner is 
but it's just James storm and Eric young in the middle of a drinking contest for the new TNA best drunk championship belt, which is really a spinner with a beer bottle on it, which is kind of fun. Uh, the ladies match though. Hey man, TNA was kind of ahead of their time there trying to feature the ladies. Were they not always? Yeah. No, I mean, that's something that is such a cool little footnote. And I like how Dave was talking about women's wrestling, uh, almost borderline. He wouldn't get away that this day and age. It, it was a little too far opinionated, uh, but yeah. And, and giving them nine minutes, like it, there's four, it's a four way giving them nine minutes. And that was too much. Right. Uh, but, but it was just what was traditionally done. Uh, was not done during that time frame, and and look, Gail, the center. I mean, it's just the talent. They those girls could could deliver, over deliver, uh, but it was new, it was fresh, it hadn't been done, so not everybody accepted it, including Dave. Next up, and this is important because you know those ladies were, and I think this sponsor is. You might even say they're simply irresistible. Oh boy. Yeah. Come on. You know, what's coming. This episode is brought to you in part by titlematchnetwork.com. Well, right now you can take advantage. Yeah, there it is. Get it of their holiday special. Say 50% off new memberships with the coupon code Conrad. It's all lowercase at checkout. This includes every pay-per-view and video on demand. There's hundreds of exclusive new live streams every year, a near endless amount of pay-per-views, shoot interviews and documentaries and more. One of the biggest collections of women's wrestling content on the planet. Plus a ton of title match originals, including there you go. Their new interview series with legends like Greg, the hammer Valentine. Sabu, The Godfather, and more. How about this? Friday the 25th, they got Rob Van Dam and Shane Douglas doing live podcasts. They got the WrestleCade Super Show on Saturday the 26th. Who else on that? Paul White, The Big Show, DDP, Kurt Angle, Eric Bischoff. What about Ladies Night Out? It's happening Sunday on November 27th. You got Ivalice, you got Sue Young, you got Tessa Blanchard, AML Wrestling. That's happening on Sunday, November 27th. Title Match Network is the only streaming platform to bring you all of WrestleCade. Title Match Network is the perfect gift for the holiday season. So take advantage of that holiday special. Save 50% off all new memberships with the coupon code Conrad, all lowercase at checkout. You don't like what you see, cancel any time. That's titlematchnetwork.com. The coupon code is Conrad, all lowercase at checkout. And you'll save 50% on all new memberships. Now you're going to love it because it's simply irresistible. Like Jeff Jarrett to a wrestling promotion. You need controversy? You need new revenue? You need a motherfucker cracked over the head with a guitar? Just add Jarrett. Done deal. How about a triple play? How about 50% off? 
TitleMasterWrestling.com. Use that promo code Conrad, all lowercase, 50% off. All right, let's get back to it. Jay Lethal. Somebody we like. Gonna pin uh, gonna pin Sanjay Dutt. There you go. Division title. Meltzer would say Jay Lethal versus Sanjay Dutt has a credibility issue. No matter how great the match was athletically, Dutt has been Dutt has been pushed as largely a jobber, and this gimmick doesn't help get him any reaction. Plus, the two are pushed as a team, and the match had no storyline behind it. Some will be critical and say they worked too fast, and they did in spots. But the problem was the buildup before they hit the ring. Very good action, no heat for the match, only for the moves. Meltzer still liked it though. He gave it three and a quarter stars. The torch gave it two and a quarter stars. They get plenty of time, 12 minutes, but Jay lethal retains the X division title. The post-match would see team 3d hit the ring, lay them both out, whip both the guys with the belt, one with the X belt, the other with a studded belt they've been using and Bubba leaves having stolen the X division title. So maybe they didn't have story coming in, but they got story coming out. I love these two guys in real life. I think their in-ring work is good and TNA needs a little bit of this. Well, yeah, we got lots of story, but why don't we go have some, some old fashioned X division stuff? Yeah. You know, Conrad, again, same kind of discussion that goes on today that, uh, you know, uh, why are we putting a match out there with no story? Well, does every match need a story? Um, the story of this match was two competitors going for the X division title. That's the story. Is it in depth? Is it layered? No, it's a simple story. Sanjay is going after Jay is attempting to retain. Yeah. You said it out of the story. Bully came in, Bubba, everything's going to go down with that. But again, uh, kind of the product of the environment as well. The monthly pay-per-views at times, just a killer to keep churning financially worked i'm not saying from a buy rate but again we we did a show in a studio that we were already paying for the lights were already hung you know all we were essentially paying for was labor both by behind in front of the camera no other variable expenses so was the pay-per-view profitable hell yeah it was but but that's relative you know it's again so you kind of but from a creative standpoint you you have that discussion and debate. Oh my God, those matches were out there with no story behind it. Well, sometimes you just had to make the title, the story, and that's not such a bad thing every night. Right. Next up it's uh Tom Co and AJ styles. They're going to beat Rick and Scott Steiner in 10 minutes and 43 seconds to keep these uh, tag titles. Only so much to be said about it. Uh, Observer gave it star and a half. So did the torch. Uh, Meltzer would say they did the sky high bulldog on styles, but Tomko saved. And after the ref was knocked down styles, gave Rick a low blow and a hard chair shot to the head for the pin. It's pretty sad when WWE cares more about its talent, since as much as it doesn't want to acknowledge the report on Benoit's brain, it still bans hard chair shots to the head. What's up with that dude? Like looking back, I mean, I understand the Steiners are the Steiners. They're going to do what they want to do, but. Damn chair shots to the head. What do you think? It would just the, it's hard to say and and put it in the box of just kind of a product of the time, but it, 
Hey man, it's always been done that way. J- just because fill in the blank. Hey, it, it, it's fine. I mean, how many times did the moon dogs hit me? And, um, although I lied to myself, I appeared. Okay. You know, the, the in-depth knowledge of headshots maybe hadn't got through my thick head or others thick heads like it has today. Well, let's talk about the next match. Maybe we can get this one through. Uh, this is an interesting one. I think we both think a lot of uh, Samoa Joe and Bobby rude, and they're going to have a 15 minute match here. And Meltzer would say the two were having a good match. And just as they were building for the finish, Mrs. Brooks collapsed. We're still not sure what happened, but EMTs were out and she was fine later in the evening and wrestled TV the next night, but seeing her down, took the crowd out of the last few minutes and made the match drag on TV because of the lack of crowd response, because the crowd's attention was divided, but it started off strong. The finish would see Joe block Rude's payoff, a fisherman suplex, and then use the muscle buster for the pin. But man, when she collapses. Uh, it, it's portrayed on TV. Like it's a mystery attack and part of the show. And today's trying to play. Like he's not sure what happened and he couldn't really see. What do you remember of her collapsing? What was really going on? Conrad. And I, I need to do my digging in. Uh, I don't recall it. That's going to be a follow-up note folks. That's going to be a follow-up note. I want to dig into that. It's, um, it's interesting to think about how you know, we, as fans, we, we don't really, I don't know. Like on the one hand you want real, but sometimes when it's really real, you don't know. And I mean, it was said that it was staged and some people say that she inexplicably fainted. Other people would say that it was all part of the the program. And it just led to nothing. And if that's really the case, I don't know. Like I've never been a fan. I understand that sometimes we've done it to create drama. Like when a guy has an injury, uh, or in storyline and they, the referee stands up and holds up the X or whatever we know as fans, Ooh, this guy's really hurt. I could see how that would, but I don't know. I feel like it should just be reserved for when it really is real. At this point, we're all kind of in on the joke. Does that make sense? Oh, it does today. I'm curious on what the reality was on the one hand, as you go back and, and read the research and as you, uh, as you speak it, I'm like, okay, that's a work. Well, and I mean, then, it, so it, we it, didn't go anywhere with it. So maybe it was real. Well, I don't mean to dump on our buddy, but there's a report that says that the TNA writer, Vince Russo told her to faint and don't tell anyone, don't tell your coworkers, don't tell your friends. Don't tell anybody that it was a work. And allegedly she wound up feeling pretty guilty about it because she had to lie to her good friends, but she doesn't want to bucket because she wants her job. She needs to keep her job. But the result is, and we're trying to get so cute with our story and angle that we ruin a pay-per-view match. It just, yes. Yeah. That's my point that, Hey, the timing of it, Vince, where are you going with it? Maybe he did that. I don't know. Next up, uh, Kaz, um, Meltzer would say Frankie Kazarian, who needs to drop that jobber name. Now that he's being pushed as a serious player, beat Christian in 15 minutes and 13 seconds of a ladder match. This makes him the top contender for Kurt Angle's title. He's officially won 
the fight for the right tournament. And we're trying to show him in a new light, which means more, hopefully more significant interview time, et cetera, et cetera. Tons of crazy spots, but it's cool to see Kaz finally get his due here. The match is a huge success to Meltzer. He gave it four stars. Wade gave it three and a half stars, but there's interest something that only could happen. Maybe a TNA happens while Christian's climbing. Kaz uses a springboard drop kick to the ladder, knocking him over in doing. So the contract for the title match that was hanging above now falls to the ground and here for a moment, nobody really knows what to do. And Meltzer says this has happened in the past in TNA and they've rehung it, but it would have killed the flow. Luckily the clipboard didn't fall. So they now said the person who grabs the clipboard is the winner. It's a little thing, but it kind of takes you out of it a little bit. Does it not? Unfortunately it takes you out of it, but this is one of those, uh, impact plus archive matches that Conrad would say, Hey folks, go out of your way, go out of your way. They tore it down. Kaz and Christian can go. And they turned it up a notch again, a pay-per-view Sunday where they were slotted on the card late in the card, having to follow Misty, having to follow. No, but you know, team 3d had, had a lot to follow up to this point. Uh, they tore it down over delivered. Can't recommend it enough. Go check it out right now. Impactwrestling.com forward slash packages enter the promo code, Jeff. And, uh, you need, you need to watch this one. This is, uh, a star is born that day, man. I loved it. Impactwrestling.com forward slash packages. The promo code is Jeff. A couple more matches we want to get to here. Um, I think maybe the, the most important thing is not necessarily the, the, the show long angle of storm versus young in a drinking contest. And by the way, Jeremy Borash <laughs> is even compared to Gene Okerlund in his AWA days by Dave Meltzer in our research. Yes. Uh, but the main event is what we're here for. Kurt Angle retaining the TNA title, winning the fall pinning Sting when it's Angle and Kevin Nash over Sting and Booker T. They go 13 minutes and 41 seconds. They tease Booker coming out forever and then the crowd goes nuts for him. He seemed maybe overcome by the reaction. Meltzer would say it might be as big as he's ever gotten in his career, but unfortunately the match never really got going. Eventually Charmel is going to come out to attack Karen angle styles, throw the belt, throws the belt to Kurt Nash is going to set sting up for the power bomb angle hits Nash with a belt shot hits the Olympic slam on sting angle goes from the outside of the ring and gets Rudy Charles back in. And the delay is so long between the Olympic slam and the cover that everybody expects things to kick out, but he doesn't. So the finish is kind of flat. Yep. Two and a quarter stars. Is this just bad luck, bad timing, bad execution? What do you just, talk us up to? Yeah. Just a little bit of, of, um, timing. I, I'll say that again, Booker's first night. And yes, that reaction, that vibe. I mean, Booker had been a star since. 2000. I mean, he was hard on me. I mean, he was on his ascension big time. Uh, we had this conversation recently, Conrad, me and you about how the wrestling fans 
might have said, and I'm saying this hypothetically, oh my gosh. So the news comes out, Booker's, uh, you know, no longer with WWE. Oh my God. He better never show up in TNA. Right. All of a sudden he walks out. It was deafening. Mm-hmm. It was a overwhelming, everybody in the place got caught up in the moment, including Booker. It was, wow. What a, I mean, it was it was one of those moments that if you purchased the pay per view, it made you feel good that you purchased it. So it's like any kind of purchase. You know, you you can have buyer's remorse, or you can have buyer's. Oh man, I'm I'm glad I bought this. That was the the the, the surprise delivered. Next week, we're going to be talking about the 20 year anniversary of you winning the NWA world title for the first time over Ron killings. It's also the 21st episode of the TNA weekly pay-per-view concept. Uh, we're going to talk about the good, the bad and the ugly, but I'm really excited because it feels like these days, everything's coming up, Jeff Jarrett. So why not go back and talk about the first time you won the NWA title. And this time next year, we'll celebrate you winning the AEW world title for the very first time. (laughs) Uh, over at adfreeshows.com, you get all of our podcasts early and ad free. It's just nine bucks a month. That's like a few pennies per episode every month. Plus a ton of bonus content and, uh, other cool experiences are waiting for you. We got our hands on Fritz von Eric's booking sheets. We have his it. actual log, his handwritten notes, and we break that down month by month, uh, week by week, day by day with David Manning in a new series. We're calling the book. We're going to be doing the same thing with David Crockett for Jim Crockett promotions and stay tuned. Maybe somebody else too. Mm. Uh, we've just launched a new program called the family business over there too. We're having the son of the legendary Ricky Morton, third generation wrestler, Ricky Morton or Kerry Morton rather is going to offer his unique perspective on growing up in the business. He's going to sit down with other second and third generation stars. I got to know Kerry when he was like 11. And now he's out here tearing it up with his dad and he's going to be talking with lots of other multi-generation stars. Speaking of talking with stars, we got interactive experiences over on adfreeshows.com as well. We just had a live Q and a with hacksaw, Jim Duggan, and we watched Halloween havoc 92 with Jake, the snake Roberts. You got to ask him questions about the snake biting his face and really his swan song in WCW something for everybody. And a little birdie has told me we've got some bangers planned later this month and in December and in January, lots of fun stuff coming real, real soon to adfreeshows.com. Hope you'll check it out. Hey, and if you like today's podcast, throw us a like button. It really helps here. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. If you're listening on a podcast app, throw us a five-star rating. If you think we've earned it and we would love to have your interactions, send your hate tweets to at real Jeff Jarrett, send all your news and notes and praise to at, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad. And if you've got a question about the show, maybe you want to ask a question about Ron killings or the NWA or TNA or the world title or AEW's newest world champ, Jeff Jarrett. You can ask that at my world pod. And don't forget if you're trying to introduce someone new to the program, maybe they're a little, uh, overwhelmed with our two and three hour shows. No problem. How about a little bite size for them over on YouTube, throw the like button down, hit the subscribe button, turn on the notifications bell. We're getting what I like to call with Bruce, a fresh paint of coat over YouTube.com forward slash my world with Jeff Jarrett, Jeff, this was a fun show. It's always fun to look back at TNA and uh, you know, listen, there's a lot of great action on this show. A lot of good stuff on this show, the Booker debut. And 
I love the motor city machine guns and 3d stuff. The abyss stuff was fun. And Bobby Roode was having a hell of a match and uh, with, with Samoa Joe and there's some good, good stuff in it. The ladder match with Kaz and Christian, not enough people saw it. I hope more people will see it. Uh, go to impactwrestling.com forward slash packages. Use our promo code, Jeff and uh, Jeff, we're working on a little incentive where folks who are signing up there, they're going to get to try ad free shows for free. So how about that? How about that? I love it. You know, an episode like today, and there, there's so many times I could have interrupted you and, and, but you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. It, it's just, it weaves in and out, but, uh, you, you go back and look at an episode like this and look at the, when I, when I this closing thoughts, the talent that we had yes. just on this, it was, I mean, Steiners, Hall, Nash, Booker, Kurt, AJ, Joe, Bobby Roode, Eric Young, Gail Kim, Jackie Moore. Um, I mean, Motor City Machine Guns, Sanjay and 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 uh, Jay. Just on and on and on and on and on. It's it's quite fascinating. I'll say that. It's going to be fascinating next week talking about Jeff Jarrett winning the NWA title for the first time. I don't know how he does it. But Go next- Big Orange. Oh, gosh. Roll Tide. We'll see you guys next week right here on My World. Peace. Hey, everybody. This is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day. Plus bonus shows on buy low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen.